Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Mitz. Today, we are doing a quick reaction episode to the hiring of Lance Leipold as the new head coach for Kansas football. Um, not who some of us were hoping for. One of, uh, you know, one of which is joining me on the podcast, uh, as you guys can probably expect. Uh, Steve Fetch, our basketball editor over at Rock Chalk Talk. But Fetch, how are you doing today? Hey, you know, I, I think pretty good. I think it's overall, you know, exciting to, to have a coach that I think is going to be an adult in the room for the first time in, in a while, probably since Mangino, frankly. But yeah, like you said, I mean, I certainly was was hoping for Jeff Munkin. I think that uh, the smoke was, was there yesterday. Um, just, you know, I don't know if you want to get into this right away, but quick timeline, um, you know, I had, I had heard from people on both sides uh, of the equation, multiple people. Uh, that they were uh, negotiating as far as uh, staff and, and, you know, contract terms and everything like that. And then sometime over the course of the last 24 hours or so, it sounds like, it sounds like Kansas based on what I've been able to hear is, is the side that moved on versus Munkin moving on. But of course that could just be them, you know, saving face and, and stuff like that. But um, regardless, I think, you know, there were two good coaches to, to choose from and uh, glad they went with Leifold uh, instead of, you know, skip holes or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things kind of to, to, to back up you were talking about, cause I've, I've been hearing kind of independently. It, it essentially, it came down to that Munkin was the first choice over Leipold, but it was a, it was so close. Like, and that's what took them so long one to, to start getting into the, the contract details. Um, you know, it was just that they were they, 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 they tried to keep the money out of it as long as they possibly could and just evaluate the coaches on who they actually wanted. And so it's one of those things where, you know, they got to the point where Munkin was the guy they wanted. They started looking at contract details and it came pretty clear that like the overall total salary pool from for Munkin and his assistants versus Leibold and his assistants. From what I've heard, it was almost triple 
of, you know, in, in terms of what Munkin wanted and what he was willing to take. Um, and so it's one of those things where if they're really as close as it seemed to be, or they would have been fine with either one and they just slightly preferred Munkin, it doesn't make sense to, in an, you know, in essence, overpay for a guy who's just a marginal improvement over what you think the other guy's going to be. Um, so, it, you know, it was, it was one of those things, not only did they really kind of see them as fairly close, um, but it became pretty clear that Munkin, with his pedigree and everything kind of going along with it, was going to cost a whole lot more. And, it, you know, if it doesn't work out for whatever reason, you, you don't want to saddle yourself with all of that extra salary and all that extra, you know, money that you have to pay out if you don't actually have to do it. Yep, to- totally agree. You know, I, I think uh, and we'll, we'll get into this. I mean, there's there are definitely reasons why I, I preferred Munkin to Leipold. Um, but, you know, this, this hire, even if it doesn't work out, I don't think there's much to criticize uh, for it right now. I mean, I think any uh, any criticism you can do is mostly going to be hindsight-based, whereas the last few guys that were definitely, you know, more red flags right off the bat. Yeah, I mean, it's it's also one of those things like looking at Leipold. Yes, there are there are red flags as there is with every, with every coach. Like if if Munkin had been the hiring, I'm sure we would have dug in it. You know, dug into what Munkin did and found some things. It's like, oh man, these are you know, if it doesn't work out, these are probably going to be the reasons why. You, you can do the same thing with Leipold. I think what's been clear from everybody talking about this is that both of these guys are highly qualified, are really good coaches. You know, are are guys that you would be okay with leading this transition, you know, taking this, this Kansas program and really transforming it. Um, it was just a matter of personal preference from everybody that I talked to. Like, I, I don't think I talked to anybody that said that, Oh my gosh, Leipold is going to be, you know, a horrible failure at this position. I didn't see anybody who said that Munkin was going to be a horrible failure at this position, or, or at least not for reasons that have to do with the coach. Like there are, there are still a lot of people that are convinced that this Kansas football job is just, beyond saving but but that's a completely different matter that we can talk about later um you know but i mean it's it's just one of those things both of these guys are probably going to be as successful as you can be they're going to do it in completely different ways so it literally was just a matter of preference and like what i got from the meetings that were going on in the room and why it took so long to make the decision it wasn't that they were worried about any of these particular guys they were really trying to figure out who they thought was going to be the best guy and that's what took so long um but you know everybody involved in the process seem to be comfortable with both Leipold and Munkin. So it was just a matter of picking one. And, and ultimately this is how it ends up shaking out. I, I know that you are probably the most disappointed of everyone because, you know, obviously it would have been awesome to kind of say that you had tweeted a Kansas coaching hire into existence. Um, as you and I were kind of talking about, you know, back, back in what was it 2017 or 2018 that you were tweeting about Munkin being the coach. Um, yeah. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Yeah. It would have been absolutely phenomenal. Actually, Mike, you know, kind of inside baseball here, Mike had actually done a full write up on Munkin getting hired because you and I were both hearing that it was Munkin, that Munkin was the one they decided it was just a matter of working out contract details. And obviously that didn't work out. Um, but, you know, we were all ready to kind of lean into the narrative that, that you were the guy that ultimately got Munkin to come to Kansas. So it, it was going to be absolutely fantastic if that actually happened. But, you know, it is kind of minor, I think, disappointment. Um, but again, only just because I would have preferred Munkin over Leipold, but looking into Leipold. So, so, so you did talk about some red flags. Let's, let's go ahead and jump into those. What were the red flags that you were able to find? And I know that you tweeted about this a little bit, but you know, I, I do, I do yeah. think it's worth kind of talking about them. Yeah. So I, I think the big couple for me are, you know, first Buffalo consistently at the bottom of the Mac in terms of recruiting. Um, obviously it's more difficult to recruit there than probably some other places, but by all accounts, he doesn't, really have a ton of interest in recruiting now you know that could be because of who his assistants are that could be because of 
recruiting dollars available to him, which are obviously going to be upped at Kansas. But for me, that's a little bit of a, a red flag. Um, the other thing, and, and probably the bigger red flag to me, is uh, he really seems like he excels at, at beating bad teams and, and not so much uh, not so much the good teams. You know, the, the cumulative win-loss records I, I tweeted as far as uh, all of his uh, FBS wins uh, at Buffalo uh, only – um, one year was at over 500, and that was his second year, 2016, where when the opponents uh, were 13 and 12 only. And uh, he's like uh, nine games under 500 uh, against teams over 500 at Buffalo. Uh, nine and 11, if you take out the, the first two years when he's kind of getting things rolling and everything like that, which is, I think, fair. And then uh, the pandemic year as well, which I, I think is probably fair as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, 9-11, and 11, maybe not the, the worst record. Um, you can only beat who's in front of you, but at the same time, they're not going to be playing, you know, 2-10 and 10 Miami of Ohio and 3-9 and nine Central Michigan and stuff like that. They're going to have to play a lot of teams that are better than them and, and probably who have more talent than them. And uh, I don't know that he's shown that he has the ability to, to overcome that on a consistent basis, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm definitely willing to – to be proven wrong and, and hoping I'm uh, going to be proven wrong. But those are kind of the, the two things in my mind that stand out as the biggest red flag. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's also kind of one of those things though, because if you think about it, like he, he's not going to be pulling from his nearly a talented pool of players. Like it's going to be almost impossible. It, it, it's almost impossible for him to be involved with a lot of the recruits um, that you're going to be able to get at a place like Kansas when he's up at Buffalo. And, and and granted, like, yes, Kansas isn't like a, a darling program that a whole bunch of people really want to come to. But we, we've seen coaches have been able to have success of getting guys to, to consider coming to Kansas and actually, you know, commit to Kansas at that point at, at, at certain points. And so with all the excitement that's going around Leipold right now, I, I do think that there's a good possibility that, you know, a, you know, it's all going to depend on the staff that he brings in. But that that's the way it was going to be for anybody, you know, like a, a big determination of how successful he is going to be who he gets on staff and how, how good they are, the jobs that they do. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things. I'm not necessarily that concerned. You know, I did see a lot of kind of talk about how good him and his staff were good, were at identifying talent pretty early and kind of getting in on talented guys that a lot of people weren't able to find. That's the kind of thing you have to be able to do at Kansas is, you know, find guys who can be talent, who, who are talented, but don't necessarily have, all the hype surrounding them that a lot of other guys do. He did that for Buffalo at a level that they had not seen previously, which is why they were as, as successful as they were. I, I would also say though, that, you know, looking overall at the records of, you know, of the, the, the teams that they beat in any particular year is heavily skewed by the really bad teams that they get to play. And yes, there's not gonna be as many of those in the big 12, but there's still going to be an opportunity. There are plenty of big 12 teams um, that really aren't as good as a lot of people seem to think. And when you take it, you know, when you, when you account for everything, there's at least an opportunity for Kansas to jump into the middle of the pack of the Big 12, which is really all that we're asking for at this point, right? Like, I'm not expecting it to happen in the next year or two, but give him time to rebuild the program, give him, you know, starting in like year four, I think it's completely reasonable to be expecting that they're going to be getting two to three or, you know, even three or four Big 12 wins a year, competing for bowl games, that kind of stuff. I think those are reasonable expectations. And given what he's been able to do at Buffalo, I think that it's completely realistic to actually see that happen. So, I mean, I, I think at this point, the best that we can do is kind of speculation 
um, in terms of like what this is going to be, because obviously they have a lot to do. A lot of what, a lot of that's going to depend on, especially in the first couple years, like how many players is he able to retain that they're currently on the roster. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, who he's going to keep on staff, how well his staff is going to be able to essentially re-recruit the guys that are on the roster. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, and actually this gets into the one question that we did get over on Twitter in kind of the, the shortened timeline from uh, Drew Porter at Porter Drew C. Um, he asked, what will Leipold do with the current staff in place and how many spots will he retain or bring in of his own? And, and I mean, I'll, I'll kind of jump here, but I'll, I'll send it to you as soon as you, uh, in just a second here. But, you know, it's one of those things where I do think that he is going to keep a good portion of the staff. There are going to be several people, especially the key recruiters. Honestly, I think anybody on the current staff who's been involved heavily in recruiting is probably going to be one of the first targets. They're going to try to find some place for them on staff, even if it's not the, the same position that they have. I do think that Emmett Jones stays on staff unless he decides that he just can't stay and, and has to leave. Um, you know, I, I'm guessing that they're probably going to offer Jones a a uh, uh a, pr- a promotion from where he's at, you know, more, more pay than he had before, like whatever they can do to keep him there, because he is a guy that a lot of people really want to play for. So it's really just a question, I think of making sure that he is happy that he's going to be here, um, you know, and, and making sure that they are using his recruiting ability and kind of his knowledge of the staff and of the players here to really get them set up well in that first year. The question is going to be who else, you know, I could see a guy like Tony Hall, who's been big in recruiting in Louisiana, has been retained through now several administrations here. Um, I could see him continue to be on the staff. I'm not really sure about any of the other guys, though. I, I would imagine that he's probably going to bring in his own offensive coordinator. Um, so I have no idea what that means for, like, Mike DeBoard, if he's going to find somewhere else on the staff or if he's going to get let go after being on the job for, like, two months. Um, should be fairly interesting. But... Fetch, any thoughts about any particular people? Or I know, I know that you were looking at the Buffalo staff. Do you think there's anybody there that is like a, a shoe-in for, for sure that he's going to try to bring over to Kansas? Yeah, you know, just, just kind of reading stuff. Uh, it sounds like Brian Borland, their current defensive coordinator, who's been with them uh, all the way back through the Wisconsin Whitewater days, uh, is going to come. Um, and then it sounds like Scott Fuchs, their offensive line coach. Uh, who, by the way, my not North Dakota native, so that's nice, nice to get a, a North Dakotan on staff. Um, sounds like he's kind of the uh, crown jewel of that staff, uh, for lack of a better term. You know, he really is, is coached up that offensive line. Obviously, you know, what that does to Lee Grimes, who's the current offensive line coach, and, and uh, you know, tough to evaluate how good an offensive line coach is, but it sure sounds like he's a, a great recruiter so far, so you wonder if he maybe gets shuffled to a different role and and he and Emma Jones kind of remain the, the same recruiters. But those are kind of the, the two guys that I think are um, definitely uh, going to, to come. Um, it sounds like, uh, thank God, that Rob Ionello is going to get the, uh, your, be a candidate anyway for the head job and, and isn't going to be coming along. Obviously, he was here under Charlie Weiss, and, uh, you know, that didn't go very well. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, I, I think that, uh, they've got some good staffers to pull from. We'll, we'll have to wait and see what they do, but, uh, given the time frame, right. I mean, it's, it's May right now. Well, almost May, I guess, uh, not a ton of time to maybe go grab a, a offensive coordinator from a different staff. And, uh, they're probably gonna have to do some shuffling after year one. So, uh, like, like I would have said with Monken, I think year one is, 
just a, a wash and you kind of have to um, see what's going to happen really uh, in year two, I think is kind of when the evaluation period should start. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's also kind of one of those things as I, I was talking about this with, uh, with Mike Vernon and you know, a, a few of the guys and actually Derek Johnson as well. Like this first year isn't going to, shouldn't count for anything. Like you can't take anything out of it, especially if a bunch of guys leave or, you know, like the, the, the staff, like there's some issues with them in terms of trying to get on the same page and all this stuff. Like there's so many different things that potentially go wrong that are going to make it really hard to read a lot into this. Even if they have a lot of success immediately, I I don't know that you can read too much into that. as like anything being accelerated. You literally should treat this as kind of a bonus time evaluation time for him to get settled and, and kind of just bank whatever happens as kind of extra information, but don't use it to make any decisions because you know, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get too hyped up from them being really good this year. If they happen to somehow do that, I wouldn't be too worried if they go winless this year. Um, you know, especially if a whole bunch of people leave, like this is just one of those things where it's better to get him involved now. And, and I made this point on prior episodes, like you need him to do everything he possibly can to have a very successful first recruiting class, because that's what set a, sets a coach up. That's usually the number one thing, especially with the early signing period that causes problems for coaches these days is that they can't get a good recruiting class in that first year because they usually have about two to three weeks to put it together. And that's it. Um, you know, and so that's like my biggest complaint about the way that the, you know, the hiring cycle normally goes. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if we start to see more things like this, maybe earlier than the spring game, but you know, kind of after that recruiting class, um, you know, and then allowing, you know, and then making coaching changes. Like, I don't think this is going to become a, a commonplace thing, but I, I almost wonder if this isn't kind of like a, a test case for rewriting the, you know, unwritten rules on when you should be hiring and firing coaches. Um, because it's one of those things where the way that things are set up right now, we've been, you know, doing that same cycle, the same timing all the time because you can't waste a recruiting class. Um, but, you know, coaches that come in with that small amount of time to do recruiting don't you know end up wasting that class anyway um and so it's one of those things like this could be a blessing in disguise this could be one of those things where um Leipold is going to have a really good first recruiting class and that's going to set him up for really kind of getting things turned around it could also be you know uh, you know it may not even have that big of a difference though if a whole bunch of guys leave and and until we get an indication from the actual players about what's happening by seeing them get go um you know i just i, I don't want to kind of try to read too much into it so I guess I'll, I'll finish up with this question because I, I, I agree with the people that you're talking about are more, are most likely to be like the, the shoe ins that are coming to the new staff, but, but that still leaves a whole bunch of open stuff for everybody. Um, and, and a lot of places to be filled. So I'll, I'll leave this with you. What are you looking for from Leipold in this first year? Anything particular in like summer practices or anything like that? And anything on the field that you're expecting to see, or that you'd be upset if we didn't see this year? You know, I, I think on field stuff, it's mostly just the, the discipline stuff. You know, are they going to do the call a timeout, come on to run a play, call another timeout, you know? Uh, or like, like call a timeout to um, punt on fourth down? Right, exactly right. Uh, speaking of which, you know, I'll be interested to see kind of what his fourth down philosophy is, how aggressively he goes for it, that sort of thing. Um, you know, whether he, you know, it sounds like he definitely will um, work around the talent he has. So whether he, you know, decides to, bringing a pass heavy, uh, heavy offense or a run heavy offense, uh, stuff like that. I mean, I think are the, the things that I'll be most uh, interested to see. Um, and then just, you know, how, how competitive they are. If they get down early, do they just kind of fold that sort of thing? 
Um, so I'm definitely not expecting them to win a lot of games with their youth and with, you know, the, the general lack of preparation time. And I'm sure you're going to lose some guys to the portal as well. So we'll have to replace them. So um, those are, those are kind of the, the main things I think, but um, even if, you know, they're, they're a little sloppy and stuff, I don't know that you can really make the determination that that's how it's always going to be. So um, really, I think uh, this first year is, is only upside in my mind. I mean, I think only, um, you know, anything above, you know, one, one win probably is, is going to be gravy at this point. Um, and then year two is kind of when the evaluation starts. Yeah. I mean, it's also, you know, it's also one of those things. I don't, I don't really know that it's a given that, uh, you know, whoever is, or that they're only going to win one or anything like that, or that a whole bunch of people are going to leave or anything like that. So like, I, I definitely think if a whole bunch of people leave, that gives him a, a big, even a bigger excuse. Um, I, I just, I think that there's a good opportunity. Like if, if he's able to essentially keep the vast majority of this roster intact, I think that's an immediate positive sign. Um, like, so like those are kind of the benchmarks that I'm looking for. The things that he can actually do that will get me super excited about what he's able to do and, and immediately increase my thoughts about, you know, how successful he can be. You know, if they're, if they're able to, to keep most of the players that they have, um, that means that they're they're getting the buy-in that they're going to need to be successful, even if the results in the field don't necessarily show up. Um, you know, if we can cut down on those stupid penalties or the the horrible timeout usage or things like that, fine with me. And then, really, I just want to see development from the offensive line. He's going to be using a, a completely different system. I expect that if the offensive line gets fixed in some fashion, that that's going to end up leading to a bunch of other things, even if it takes like you know, until games nine and 10 of the season for us to actually start seeing improvement for the way that the offense is playing, which by point, you know, they're going to be right smack dab in the middle of big 12 play. And it's going to be difficult for them to actually win those games. So like if they have another winless season, but you can see that steady improvement of the offensive line, especially then I'm going to feel really, really good about what they're doing. The only way that I would be concerned about this is if, you know, we're getting a lot of news coming out of the summer camp that there's a whole bunch of issues you know, that, that there's a lot of miscommunication issues or that guys aren't aren't developing at all. Um, but this year is all about development. It's all about bringing in guys they can, and it's about setting themselves up for that recruiting class coming at the end of the year. Like, that's, I think, where we really kind of figure out what's going on is looking at that recruiting class and looking at how much these guys have developed over the season. So, all right, um, this isn't one of our normal episodes, so unless you have a random sportsman you really want to throw out there, I was going to go ahead and skip it this time. But uh, any before we get to that or whatever else you might have, any other thoughts about this hiring? Uh, nope. Nope. I think we nailed it. I think so too. So, so, so did you want to make this just about the coaching hire or did you have a random sportsman you want to just throw my way? Well, I won't, I won't even really dive into it, but the, uh, the women's world curling championship starts today. And as you'd imagine, Canada is the favorite. So that's on, uh, I think it's on NBC sports, uh, in the U S as far as I know. In other words, if you're like me and exhausted from trying to follow everything that's going on with this, just turn on some women's curling, kind of lose yourself in that wonderful go. competition, and we can you know pick this back up next week. So there you the go. hard part's over. The stressing is over because they've now hired somebody. Now just go have some fun on the weekend. All right. Well, Fetch, thanks for joining me. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps out there. You can subscribe to rock chalk or just just search for the, for rock chalk podcast and you can su subscribe there so you get every episode as soon as it comes out um if you can give us a rating and review five stars nice comments i'd absolutely love it if not just let us know what it is we we, we can do 
be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in, in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, just let me know by emailing me at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can contact me on Twitter at Rock Chalk Pod. Of course, you can contact Fetch on Twitter at Rock Chalk Talk. Um, you know, we, we really do like to interact with all you guys out there. So apologize for kind of being a little bit discombobulated. We tried to get this in as quickly as we possibly could after the news came out. So I wanted to get to this to you guys as quickly as we possibly could. So, But with that, um, thanks, guys, for listening. Fetch, thanks for joining me. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.